Hello, and welcome back to the Building Stewards podcast. I'm Donovan Brooks, and I get the privilege of leading you on your stewardship journey through education, encouragement, and engagement. So in honor of Halloween coming up, I thought it would be fun to talk about financial frights. So things that I've either witnessed or heard of or experienced within people's personal finances that are truly frightening and scary and that just have been dangerous. So I have a list of things that I want to go through. And as I go through these things, these may be things that either you've done in the past or you're currently in and not to scare you or throw you into an ensued panic, but just know that these are truly kind of scary things that are jeopardizing your personal finances if these specifically apply to you. So I just thought it fit with the season to kind of go through some things within personal finances that are frightening. So the first thing that I actually got to experience was going through the financial planning process was seeing a prospect that had a large amount of their retirement funds in cash and this was their retirement plan and normally with employers they the, the employers typically set the default to a, a target date fund which is an investment fund that it kind of correlates with your expected retirement timeline so as you work longer and you get closer to retirement the fund automatically shifts to from a, a more risky allocation to a, a less risky allocation that's typically what you see as a default with most employers. Um, you still need to check. You know, you still need to check to to make sure that's the case. And even even then, you may or may not be invested too aggressively or too conservatively. So always check. But anyway, I had a prospect that I looked. At, I was looking at their retirement account, and they had a, a huge portion in cash. This was for how long they'd been working with their um, employer, but. This was scary because instead of just growth within their retirement account and the compounding effect of growth on growth, it was all in cash. And it was kind of sad to think like, what could this be if it wasn't in cash? So that is just a PSA for everyone that is participating in an employer retirement plan is to check that out. Like it's not enough to participate in it to know that money's going into it, but then not know what that money's being invested in. And so you have a responsibility to yourself to know where your money's going and how it's being invested. So PSA, check your retirement accounts to know what you're invested in. So what you can do to check out what you're invested in is typically most employers through their, their plan that they're sponsoring have an online portal that you can log in and check out your investments. And so I would recommend getting access to that, getting logged in and going in there to see exactly what you're invested in. You can look at statements and you can look at past uh, statements and you have a lot of control over what you can do in there. This is also how you could increase contributions or change contributions from traditional to Roth. So this is what I would recommend if you don't know exactly what you're invested in, get into your online portal, log into your account, look at your statements if you get statements in the mail and you should have a good idea of what you're invested in. And from there, you can do a little more research into the specific funds if you want to, but that is the place to start when it comes to checking out what you're invested in. I should also say that it's not just your retirement plan through your employer that this could happen. This could also happen in within any outside investment accounts that you have. So if you have a 
an IRA or Roth IRA set up at a different financial institution. Like you need to know what you're invested in in that account as well. Just to make sure that it's invested according to your risk tolerance, according to your time horizon, your goals, and how you need to be need and want to be invested. Second thing, poor tax planning. And so tax planning is something that is significant, but I think most people want to bury their heads in the sand because they don't want to deal with it. The Internal Revenue Code is you know, super complex with a lot of stuff that's going on. It's your responsibility to know your tax situation and how to optimize that. And if you don't want to get into the weeds, then that's fine. You need to pay someone to do that. But this is something that a lot of people fall into the trap of not doing any tax planning and not knowing their personal tax situation. So some of the things that I've seen are just withholdings not being adjusted periodically. So that the, the amount of tax that's being withheld from your paycheck, that not being adjusted according to your current situation. So what this typically means is either, you know, you have a huge refund at the end of the year or a huge liability, a huge amount that you owe. So neither of those are good situations. When you look at tax planning, you want to end up on the, the zero line. You don't want to have anything refunded to you and you don't want to have to pay the IRS anything either. So that is the goal is zero because if you get a huge refund, a lot of people are happy with that. But well, you pretty much gave the IRS, you gave the government an interest-free loan and you don't have anything for that. But if you owe too much, then most of the time people haven't been prepared for that. And you know, sometimes they have to take out payment plans to pay back that amount. So it just, you wanna aim for zero. You wanna aim for zero when it comes to the amount of tax that we owe the respective governments. So if you are a W-2 employee, you have your taxes withheld each month from your paycheck. It has gone through payroll and that's how you set aside taxes for your tax liability each year. If you don't work in that fashion, typically you have to make quarterly estimated tax payments based on the projections of what you are anticipated to make. So mostly this is freelancers and small business owners. Even if you're not self-employed, if you owe a significant amount in tax the next year, you typically have to have to make quarterly estimated payments to, to bridge that gap. There's a lot of planning around this. You kind of want to be in the area where you pay the, the required minimum. You don't want to pay too much. Again, like I said, you don't want a large refund coming back to you. It's a missed opportunity for what you could be doing with those funds. But also if you're a small business owner, that money throughout the year typically is very valuable and how you can deploy that to grow your business. So there are some strategic tax planning methods around making sure those quarterly estimated tax payments are done and fulfilled their obligation, but not done in a way that is harming your business either. I know there's a lot of individuals that miss reporting items for one reason or another, whether it's the accountant's fault or whether it's their fault for not getting proper documentation to their accountant or whether it's also their fault for doing their own taxes and missing something. You see that a lot. People will do TurboTax and TurboTax is great and it's fine if you do your own taxes on TurboTax. Uh, a lot of people have situations that are simple enough to do on TurboTax, so that's not the issue. It's not going step by step and getting the necessary information into the preparer's hands, or if it's your hands, not getting that information into the software that you're using to prepare your taxes. So oftentimes those, those items that are missed and, and not reported can come back and penalize you and 
have a huge impact on your overall tax situation for a given year. So that is something I've also seen as well to go along with items that aren't reported. Uh, I often see just tax benefits missed, whether it's uh, benefits you have to your employer that have a huge impact on your tax, tax situation. When you don't have this overarching view of your entire personal financial situation and how taxes impact that, you miss out on some of the nuanced tactics and strategies that you can do to reduce your taxes and to optimize your tax situation. So anyway, enough about taxes. I know that can be boring for a lot of people, but overall it's a frightening thing that I've seen is just poor tax planning. And like I said, if you're not going to take the time personally to make sure your taxes are optimized and that you're doing everything to the best of your ability to, to plan your taxes, you need to be paying someone to do that. Next item is bad estate planning. And so this is probably the one that, that people think of the most. So when I say estate plan, I mean a plan to distribute everything that you've accumulated in your lifetime. A real life example of this was the late Chadwick Boseman. And for those that don't know who Chadwick Boseman was, he played the Black Panther in the, all the Marvel movies. And he died of cancer not too long ago, but it just came to light not too long ago that he didn't have a proper estate plan in place to handle his estate. And so his wife had to, is, is in the process of going through probate court, which can be a long and burdensome, costly process. So that is a real life example of just some estate planning that can be frightful if it's not done correctly. And you even see botched things that aren't done correctly, trusts not fully funded, just things not carried out exactly to plan. So I think you see it a lot with celebrities that and, and athletes and, and all these things, well-known people that they have these huge estates, but there's holes in the estate plan and they, you know, they deviate or they don't get it updated and do the work to, to get it to where it's, you know, fully carried out in the best way possible. Some more common financial frights when it comes to estate planning is either not having beneficiaries on all your assets or having outdated beneficiaries on your assets. So a beneficiary is just someone that has something to benefit from you. On investment accounts, they, they typically ask for beneficiaries. So should you pass away, they need to know how this account's gonna be treated. Who is it gonna go to? So beneficiaries are important when we're talking about our financial assets. And so oftentimes people don't have any beneficiaries on their assets, so there's no direction for it. And then it lands in probate court where the judge gets to determine, well, okay, where does this need to go? And again, it's, it can be a long and costly process to go through this. And so we pretty much wanna keep things out of probate court. We wanna have proper beneficiaries on there. We wanna have direction that is clear and concise. And then I, I did mention outdated beneficiaries. You need to be reviewing your beneficiaries on a consistent basis, whether it's annually or every couple years at the very least, or at least, you know, as, as important life events come up. So the danger in outdated beneficiaries is, you know, we get caught up in living life and maybe, maybe we need to change the beneficiaries on our accounts. So if you're not periodically reviewing that and making sure those are up to date, you could pass away and have beneficiaries on those accounts that you didn't want. And by law, that is a contract, they have to fulfill handing over those assets to the beneficiary you had on that account. So you see that all the time. I think you see it when, when people get divorced and remarry, someone had an ex-spouse as the beneficiary on their accounts and they don't get those switched. And legally, by contract, 
the ex-spouse is entitled to those assets. Now, everything can be challenged in court and there may be different precedents for different states and there's definitely different you know, treatments of, of assets and how estate planning is approached by each state and there's different property laws, whether it's a community property state or a common law property state. There's, there's a lot to dig into, but pretty much what, the point that I wanna make is have up-to-date beneficiaries on all your assets. And I should say beneficiaries don't strictly apply to just investments and investment accounts. Really, it's anything contractual in nature, any other assets that you might have. So another important thing to consider when updating and periodically reviewing your beneficiaries are any life insurance policies. So on those life insurance policies, they require beneficiaries to be listed. So when you die, they know how to forward proceeds and who is the beneficiary of that policy. So, uh, and then you can put beneficiaries on any other assets you have. A lot of people put beneficiaries on the house, so how it is gonna pass or any other property in that regard. So um, really it's anything that is an asset in nature or any other contracts that you're able to put a beneficiary on. And one final thing in regards to estate planning is not having a will in place, a basic will. And this is just, again, more direction of how to handle your estate and everything that belongs to you. So a will helps handle everything that hasn't been accounted for with specific beneficiaries on that type of account or asset. So it's kind of this pour over and, and catch all to everything else that you haven't attached a specific beneficiary to. At the very least, everyone should have a proper will in place that is periodically updated to reflect your financial situation. Okay, the next frightening thing is not understanding your investments and what you're invested in. So you need to know investments are, are good because they allow us to grow our money in a compounded fashion, I should say. But if you're gonna be invested in the capital market, in the stock market, you need to know exactly what you're invested in. And you need to be able to explain it because if it's too complex to where you don't understand and you can't explain it to someone else, then you have no business being invested in that. So if you're working with a financial advisor, it is their responsibility to make sure that you know exactly what you're invested in. When your advisor doesn't go the extra yard and make sure that you know what you're invested in, there's a broken line of communication, but also there's missed expectations there, right? When something does go wrong, if they didn't clearly communicate how the investment would impact you and the behavior of that investment and what to expect, it's just a recipe for disaster. So you need to know exactly what you're invested in. You need to be able to explain it to someone else and you need to be on the same page with your advisor if you're working with an advisor. Because I think the danger in this is for people to be under the pretense that there's a lot less risk when it comes to investing in the, in the stock market. You have a large degree over how conservative or how aggressive your portfolio is, right? Based on the different types of assets. But what happens oftentimes, consumers don't know how volatile certain investments can be until we get into a market downturn. And all of a sudden, they're, they're at a loss of words because all of a sudden they've seen their the balance of their investment portfolio go down 10, 20, 30, 40%, and they just didn't think that would happen. Again, 
they've missed on expectations either with their advisor or even if they're not worth working with an advisor, they haven't done the due diligence and gotten the proper education around how investments and how capital markets actually work. So PSA, to know exactly what you're invested in and to know the, the ups and downs and some of the historical tendencies of those investments. And now past performance doesn't guarantee future results. Like, hear me say that past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but it does give us some understanding of what can happen within investments and the capital markets. So PSA to know exactly how you're invested and the goods, the bad and the ugly that can come from that. Okay, the last thing I will say is another big thing, kind of like estate planning, not having insurance. And this is, this is really, really frightening. And this is really scary because the reason we have insurance is to protect against infrequent but catastrophic events. That's the whole reason for insurance. And that's really the only thing that you should be insuring are those events that are catastrophic but infrequent in nature. And so when you look at things that you should be carrying insurance on, you should be looking at, okay, life insurance, insurance on your home, uh, insurance on making sure that you're healthy and being compensated. So disability insurance is really what I'm, I'm talking about there. Insurance against any liabilities that you may incur. So an umbrella policy would be a great example of being able to protect against any liabilities that you have. And then if you work for yourself, if you are a business owner, there's insurance that you can have in regards to your business. A professional like me has errors and omission insurance, which is a lot like malpractice insurance. So insurance, again, for infrequent but catastrophic events. And the reason is because all it takes is one event to really ruin your financial landscape, to really bring you to ruin. And you see it all the time. People just don't have the appropriate insurance, either the appropriate coverage and policy in place or the appropriate amount of insurance per a specific situation. So that is something that if you're listening to this, this may be the one that hits home. You may not have life insurance on you. Uh, you may not have disability insurance. And that's something that I would look into. Most people think they're impervious to injury and illness and sickness. But again, you never wanna be in a spot where you wish you would have had insurance. That's a great way to look at it. A small part of your income each month or whatever time period is worth the protection of what could happen. Now it's very infrequent, but it happens to people. Like we see, we see it happen. We know someone that has gone through a premature death or someone that's had a, their house burned down or some other natural disaster or something that they were found liable for. Like we see, we see these things happen and there's a reason why insurance exists. It's, it's for protection. There's no benefit like in building every area of your personal finances if you're not going to insure it and protect it at the same time. So anyway, enough rambling about insurance. So there you go. Those are some financial frights that I have witnessed, heard of, or experienced as being a financial advisor. And I hope if the, any of these hit home specifically that you go and take the necessary time and energy to review your personal finances to see if there's any places that you can shore up and maybe help prevent some of the risk in these areas. So as always, I appreciate you so much for listening to this podcast. Again, if you could take a quick moment and share this podcast 
with anyone that you think might find some value in it. I would appreciate that so much and I would appreciate you so much for that. So within your podcast app, there should be a share button to make that a pretty seamless process. Thanks so much again for listening. So until next time, the best is yet to come. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Because it is general in nature, it does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, please consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. This podcast is not engaged in legal, financial, or other professional services.